Well, my name is Bill White. I'm pastor of the Christ Journey Church, and I'm so thankful that we can gather together as the Christ Journey family. Once again, a couple of our congregations right here in South Florida, Gables Campus, Kendall Campus, others joining us through church online across the nation and around the world. And today is the day the Lord has made, and we are praying that you will find reason to rejoice and be glad in it because we've been together. Now, I want to start with a happy thought. You know, I have always loved my Grandma Cox's cinnamon rolls, homemade cinnamon rolls. And in my mind's eye, I can still see her standing in her kitchen in Chanute, Kansas, making those rolls. She's got, and you know, yeast bread dough is like where it all starts, made from scratch. Milk, flour, sugar, water, egg, yeast. You mix it, you knead the dough, then you cover it with a damp cloth, place it in a shaded space, a little warm, shady space for a time. And while it's over there, my grandma would be mixing up that magic cinnamon, brown sugar, butter mixture, you know, about the tw 10 or 12 minutes that it takes to let the dough rise. That's what's happening over there. Yeast is having its effect and dough is rising. Then she takes that dough and then she presses it out, rolls it out, and then puts that wonderful magic mixture of cinnamon inside and then rolls it back up into a roll and you know, pinches the seam, slices it into rolls, places them back in a baking pan, and then covers it again with that damp cloth and places it in a warm, shaded space. Only this time, it's there for about a half hour or so until the dough rises to twice the size it was when she started with it. And then you once that's done, you pop those babies into a perfectly preheated oven until they're perfectly browned. And then upon removal, you top them with this perfectly delicious icing, uh, 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 mouth-watering. And um, part of the secret ingredient for perfect rolls, I've already mentioned it, yeast. Yeast causes dough to rise to the occasion. Yeast has a crucial role in the dough, especially for my grandma's cinnamon rolls. And there's a science at work here. You probably know this. Metabolizing the sugars, releasing carbon dioxide and alcohol into the bread dough, making it rise. Now, I'm telling you that to tell you this. In God's dream coming true for you, Living faith in God is the yeast in your life by which you rise to the occasion. Faith in God is the yeast in your life by which you rise to the occasion. And we surely see that in the making of the man, Joseph, who somehow, in spite of his circumstances, his faith keeps him rising time and again. It keeps him focused forward instead of on the mess that he's in. He, it keeps him applying himself in ways that uh, are rising and surprising in the midst of it all. And today, his story will intersect yours if you are familiar with these three battlefields of a man's life. Work environment, sexual behavior, and negativity, negative circumstances. Most men are familiar with fighting life's daily battles in at least these three arenas. Now, our series is The Making of a Man. We're not ignoring you women, but what we're trying to do is identify for everybody's benefit what manhood looks like. And we're learning lessons from one of the most remarkable leading men in all of Scripture, Joseph, in the book of Genesis. 
and the battles he faces in Genesis 39 may look familiar. The first is work environment. Work is an ongoing challenge where we need to bring our best forward in less than ideal situations. Is this right? Next, in a culture of instant gratification and indulgence, guarding our boundaries and dealing respectfully in male and female relating can be a battle. Is that right? Yes. And then third, if you ever, have you ever feel like negative circumstances, negativity is just trying to take you down. Well, then in Genesis 39, we're going to see Joseph in the laboratory of real life. bringing us closer and deeper into his soul as he engages these battles. And there we're going to be reminded of this central truth. Faith in God, your faith in God is the yeast in your life by which you rise to the occasion. Now, when we had last left Joseph, let's remember, he had been sold as a slave to the Midianites who, upon arriving in Egypt, sell him again to Potiphar, head of Pharaoh's secret police. And then Joe's brothers who sold him, they stripped him of his fancy robe, of his dream coat, they soak it in goat's blood, and then they led their father to believe that he had been killed, devoured by wild animals. Now dad said he would mourn for the rest of his life. He sinks into a deep grief, and the brothers now find themselves stuck in the shame trap of their family's secret. Meanwhile, Joseph, now in Potiphar's house, discovers that though he is far from home, the Lord is still with him. Now, maybe today you're far from home. A college student, you're, you're on business far away from home. Maybe you're an immigrant away from your country, from another country. God wants you to know this. He is with you. And um, in fact, the writer tells us four times clearly in this chapter, the Lord was with Joseph, that's verse two. Verse three, the Lord was with him. Verse 21, the Lord was with Joseph and not only was the Lord with him. And then verse 23, the Lord was with Joseph and not only was the Lord with him, but in Egypt, he blessed him with prosperity and with success. Verse three, the Lord gave him success in everything he did, including everything he did on the job, the work environment. And Master Potiphar took notice of this and then put it to the test. And as a result, he favored him with promotion after promotion after promotion, as we see in verse four. Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. There's a first level. Then Potiphar put him in charge of his household. There's a second level. And then he entrusted to his care everything he owned. That's a third level. And that proved a good decision because verse five says that from the time he put him in charge of the household, and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. Is that the fourth level of promotion? Now he's overseeing the outside life as well as the inside life. Now listen, that was Potiphar's return on investment, his ROI. And as Joseph proved responsible and successful in his work, he was given, in the work that he was given, Potiphar kept promoting him 
with new opportunities, increasing his opportunities with each success. And ultimately, he climbed the ladder to the point, look at this, verse six, so he left in Joseph's care everything he had. With Joseph in charge, he didn't have to concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now, how does that apply to the battle of your workplace, of your work? How can you rise and shine in the marketplace? Now, remember the central truth, because here's the answer. Faith in God is the yeast in your life by which you rise to the occasion, just like my grandma's cinnamon rolls, right? And then Joe shows us two things that he did in rising to the occasion. First, bring your best to your job. And second, let your faith be seen in the way you serve. Let it be seen in the way you serve. It's the same principle we see in Colossians chapter 3, verse 23. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. Throw yourself into it as working for the Lord, not for men. So what does that look like? If we were to do our best, if you were to do your best, if I was to bring my best into the workplace, what would that look like? Well, maybe here's a few suggestions. Follow through. Whatever promises you make, keep them. Be punctual. Step up and serve. Go the extra mile. Don't just get by. Aim high. Take it to the next level. You know, take initiative. Be a self-starter. Don't wait to be asked. And don't just identify problems. Bring a solution when you bring a problem to your supervisor's attention, and then be responsible. Take ownership and make it better. Here's a question you can ask. If you were working for you, what would you want you to do? Well, I'm thinking, hey, don't steal my stuff, right? Don't leave a job half done. Don't, don't make excuses, let's make a difference. If you were working for you, what would you want you to do? Then do that. And the story says Potiphar saw, he saw the favor of God on Joseph and his work, and he gave him favor too. Promotion after promotion. Now, maybe it's been a while since you've had a promotion. That's also part of the battle, isn't it? Or maybe, I mean, the other side of that is your battle is with your success. You've been promoted, you got more responsibility, now you've been successful, now what? Now that you have achieved success, what do you do with it? You just spend it all on yourself or do you invest it for a greater good? Do you, use, do you let it control you or do you control it to do something else to be of help? Abraham Lincoln said this, nearly all men can stand adversity but if you want to test a man's character, give him power. Give him power. And Joseph would be tested. With those new promotions also came a new challenge, or as they say, new level, new devil. <laughs> now, you would think that that kind of success might be great job security. The Lord blessed everything he did. He got all these promotions. He's secure, right? But instead, what we are introduced to is the next battleground, the minefield of sexuality, sexual misconduct, sexual harassment. Recently, we spoke of vic female victimization. But Joseph's story reminds us that it happens to men as well. And not just in the Bible, but also in our time. The Kansas City Star reported a story of a female candidate 
a former corporate executive, a female candidate who ran for Congress but dropped out of the race after a lawsuit came to life that was accusing her of sexually harassing and retaliating against a male who was under her employ, a male subordinate who rejected her advances. For Joseph, the workplace harassment came from his boss's wife. Verse six, now Joseph was well-built and handsome and after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and she said, come to bed with me. Now we're not told why she did it. We're told Joseph was attractive, Joseph was successful. That obviously got her attention. Well, maybe she was bored. Maybe she was looking for a diversion. Maybe her marriage has just grown dull or stale in her mind. Maybe her husband was gone so much of the time working for Pharaoh that she was just lonely. Or maybe she was insecure. Maybe she thought that some attention from a younger man might help. Or maybe, maybe as one of the rich and powerful, she was used to getting her way. And when she didn't, she would use that power against people. You know what, what's the saying? Hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. Whatever the case, she became interested in Joseph and not just once. Verse 10 says, she spoke to Joseph day after day. This was a repeated approach that she was making. And he always refused. But the first time that he did gives us his background, his, the why behind the what. Verse eight, this is what he says. With me in charge, my master doesn't concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. And no one is greater in this house than I am. It's as if Joseph is thinking, why would I put this at risk? Why would I want to place all of this at risk? And then he says, my master has withheld nothing from me except you because you're his wife. It's like Joseph is thinking to himself, why would I violate your marriage? This is not my business. That's not my purview. And then he says, my master, how, how then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? Now, the literal background meaning of the word wicked means a disagreeable, malignant misery. How could I invite such a malignant misery into my life and sin against God. Sin means I just got off point and went wrong in my relationship with God. So Joe's showing us he's got a value system that's at work. His character is kicking in here horizontally and vertically. Horizontally with others. And he's, he's saying, you know, I've been given a trust and I want to show myself trustworthy. I want to prove myself faithful. I don't want to bring malignant misery into the relationships of those that are with me. And then vertically, I mean, he wants to do his job honorably, but then vertically, he offers his real reason for saying no was so he could say yes to honoring God. So remember this, faith in God is the yeast in your life by which you rise to the occasion. And in facing this temptation, Joseph leans into his faith and trusts his God to fight this battle. Billy Graham once said, lose the battle of sex and you've lost the battle of life. 
Now, let me ask you something. What do these three Old Testament heroes have in common? Do you know? Samson, the strongest man, David, the greatest king, and Solomon, the wisest sage. All three lost this battle, and it cost them. But Joseph, oh my, Joseph is one of the leading men of the Bible who is a winning warrior on this battlefield. And he, is, he does it because he's saying yes to God's plan for his life, including his sex life. He wants to do it God's way. So this isn't going to stop her from trying to seduce him, but it helps Joseph resist, refuse, and be careful even to be around her. But one day, one day when he's in the house doing his duties and there are no witnesses around to see, verse 12 says, she caught him by his cloak and again said, come to bed with me. And this time he ran, leaving his cloak in his hand as he ran out of the house. And then Mrs. Potiphar cries out to her servants, look how this Hebrew has made sport of me. She felt ridiculed and Put upon. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. And when he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran away. It was a case of she said, he said, except he never gets a say in the story. When her husband gets home, she tells him how his slave tried to do this to her. And Potiphar is enraged and he throws Joseph into prison. No chance to tell a story, no due process, no recourse, just prison. So, a question for us in the making of a man is how are we to live in a sexually charged world? How can we respond to illicit temptation? And I'm finding three answers from Joseph, very practical help. The first one is this, choose to do life God's way, including your sex life. Choose to do life God's way, including your sex life. Now, sexuality is good. Sexuality is God's good gift. And choosing to do it God's way is like going for the gold. Aim high and saying, you know, I want everything that God has for me. And I want it in his time and in his way. And that's what Joseph is essentially saying. Joe is a handsome young, fit, single man. And what he says is, I'm going to, but he knows what he wants. And first on that list is, I want what God wants for my life. Do you? I'll have what God wants for me in my life. And he is dreaming God's dream with his own personal life. Now, what does that mean to you? I'm telling you, you got to make up your mind what you want. What do you really want in life? What do you really want before you ever get into the situation? In fact, if you don't make up your mind before you get there, your unmade mind may unmake you. So you got to choose to do life God's way. And what that may mean, for some of us, I know it does for me, it means you got to learn what God's way is. What is God's way when it comes to human sexuality? And that means that you're going to 
Study that and learn that. Now, this message isn't for that. We've done several other messages with regard to that. But as you study, here's what you're going to learn. That sexuality is not merely a biological urge in human beings. It's not merely a psychological want. There is a spiritual component to human sexuality, which means that sex is always best approached in a way that values yourself and others spiritually. That means you bring heart and mind, your spiritual components, into honoring from the spirit of a man, not the groin of a man. Sex is best approached. And that makes sexuality a spiritual battle. And to fight a spiritual battle also requires spiritual resources. So first, you've got to choose God's way before you get in the battlefield. Yield your life to God. Seek his will with all your heart. Honor purity. Protect marriage. That's what Joseph is doing by seeking first God's kingdom with his own body and life. Then secondly, secondly, use wisdom in community. Use wisdom in community. That means just be careful who you're alone with. Joseph, in the story, avoids being with Miss Potiphar. Mrs. Potiphar, she tries to find him. She tries to come on to him. She keeps on making the ask again and again, and he tries to stay away from her. You can guard yourself by staying public or with a group. Use wisdom in community. And then third, Run! <laughs> Run! You know, when Joe realizes what's going on, he gets out. You say, well, as a Christian, shouldn't I be strong enough to face it? No, you should be smart enough to run. We give gold medals to people who know how to run fast in the right direction, don't we? Jesus said, pray like this. Lead us not into temptation. That means give me the sense and the strength not to go where it is, to go the other way. Paul repeats this in 1 Corinthians 6, flee sexual immorality. Run. When we see danger, we're supposed to run, like from an active volcano or from oncoming traffic or from snakes that are coming or from immorality. And yet we don't do it in our own strength. We trust God. We remember that faith in God is the yeast in your life by which you rise to the occasion. And then what? Well, then sometimes you discover that doing the right thing seems to go wrong. Happened to Joseph, falsely accused, he gets thrown in prison. Every man in the making knows this battleground. Negativity, negative circumstances coming in to take you down. Egyptian prison is not a healthy or a happy place. It is vile. And there's no right to a speedy trial. So you know what happens? People die in that prison before their case ever gets heard. So it's like Joseph's on death row and doesn't know what the future holds. Think about it. Joseph is a slave. He's a foreigner. He's a prisoner. Surely he has reason to feel like hope is lost. Instead, what does he do? Well, he makes the best of it, it appears. He treats it 
The same way that he treated his job in Potiphar's house. I mean, he brings his best to the challenge at hand. And verse 21 says, the Lord was with him. Oh my goodness. The Lord is in prison? Yep. <laughs> I mean, whatever comes, he's with him. And whatever comes your way, God is with you. You're not alone. You can trust him. And Joseph's positive attitude is noticed after a while. The warden takes notice. Verse 20, while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. The Lord showed him kindness and granted him favor. All of those are positive things in the middle of a very negative place and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. To what end? Well, look at verse 22. The warden put Joseph in charge of all those that were being held in the prison. A promotion? While in prison? Yeah, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. And the warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph. Joseph proved trustworthy because he was trusting the one who's faithful and true. And the Lord gave him success in whatever he did. You know what that is? You know what that is? That is negativity, negative circumstances, redeemed by positive faith, transformed by positive faith. Now, how can you rise when circumstances are putting you in a hard place, when you feel covered in a dark place, when you can sense the mugginess of your surroundings and, and where you feel like you're way behind the eight ball? How do you rise? Well, Joseph says, here's what I do. Do the best you can, stay positive, live your faith. Do the best you can, stay positive and live your faith. And remember this, faith in God is the yeast in your life which helps you rise to the occasion. Medical studies have shown repeatedly people with a positive outlook live healthier lives. Researchers say the connection is still a mystery, but their guess is that positivity boosts the immune system and it protects against the damage that stress can do. Harvard School of Public Health says optimism may, in fact, help you live longer lives. University of Kansas found that smiling reduces stress, reduces heart rate and blood pressure in stressful situations. But how are we supposed to stay positive? when things seem so negative. Well, I'll say to you, remember my grandma's cinnamon rolls. That always makes me smile. Remember my grandma's cinnamon rolls? Once the yeast is kneaded into the dough, then she would put it in a warm, dark place so that the yeast could do its work and cover it with a damp cloth. You ever feel like you're in one of those situations where everything's dark and it feels muggy in there and emotionally it's... Ah. And my grandma did it not once, but twice. And not just for a brief amount of time, but a lengthy amount of time. And especially if your expertise is in eating cinnamon rolls, it feels like forever. When are you gonna take them out? When are you gonna put them in the oven? When are you gonna bring them up? Maybe you feel like you're in a dark place right now. Maybe it feels emotionally muggy to you. It's not the first time. And it seems like sometimes it takes forever. What can you do? 
Trust God and show some faith. Let the yeast of your faith in God do its work in you. And then remember this, my grandma didn't leave those rolls in the dark and damp place and neither does God. You know, from there, they went into a hot oven until they were ready to serve. God does that too. God has a way of letting us feel the heat as he prepares us to serve. Would you ask the Lord, not just why are you letting this happen to me as a complaint, but maybe what did you have in mind that I might grow to learn and rise to the occasion? What battlefield are you facing right now? Then could we trust the Lord is with you and wants to give you success? Would you pray with me? Gracious God, we thank you for the warrior spirit that we see in Joseph, for the way that we've seen it practiced and proven time and again in our own lives. And for those that are discouraged today, those whose spirits are dampened because of some circumstance in their life, because of some battle that they've been fighting, and perhaps not so successfully, we welcome your presence, Lord. We invite your favor. We ask your forgiveness. And then we... We want to lean in and trust you to let faith do its work and once again rise to the occasion. Brother, sister, would you say yes to God right now, whatever that means for you? Lord, I want to do life your way. Show me, teach me that I might follow. And I Trust right now. I believe that you are with me and I receive the favor you desire to give me so that my life could make a difference in your name for others. And now perhaps you're on the front end of your spiritual journey and you would like to begin that relationship with the living God. Join me in this prayer and we'll invite Jesus to meet you there right now. Lord Jesus, come into my life. I am hungry for hope and I feel the battles and sense that I'm not strong enough. So I am asking you to forgive my sins and come into my life and empower me by your spirit to know your will and follow your will as you desire. And I turn from my way to your way and ask you to lead me. In Jesus' name. Now, our heads still bowed just for a moment. But if you prayed that prayer to begin your spiritual journey with me and would let us ask God's blessing upon the next steps of your, your journey of faith, then I'm going to ask you simply to raise your hand wherever you're seated right now. If you're joining us online, there's an orange banner right there on the screen you can click. At our physical campuses, your hands are raised and we have ministry leaders that are looking and praying right now. Thank you. Thank you. Lord Jesus, we pray for every uplifted hand and the open heart that it represents and the step of faith that people are taking. And we pray right now, may they sense the sweetness of your presence in them as you bring the living yeast, the faith of salvation to their heart and cause them to rise as we make our prayer in your name. Amen.